So, if you would, let's go back to the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 6. He said we were there last week. Yes, we were. We're going to be there next week. (laughs) And then you get rid of me. I'm gone. So, we were, uh, Galatians chapter 6, we're talking about restoration. Uh, you know, that's our job. As believers, we are to get involved with other people's lives, to present the gospel, to show them about Christ. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here. So, last week, let me just review here real quickly, and then we're going to go on to something else. Uh, Chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 1, let's read that. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What we saw out of that, we saw quite a bit out of that thing last week. Uh, but the, the one thing that we need to remember is that that's a command. That's not a suggestion. That doesn't say if you feel like it or when all things are right and, you know. No, that is a command. Uh, we are to be looking for people that are looking for Jesus, okay? Uh, people who have gotten trapped in sin, uh, people who have been overcome, uh, overtaken is the word that they use, and that's, that's a control. That's a thing that where they're, it's not just some little thing. It's actually controlling their lives, and that's what we're to be uh, moving into. And it's a hard thing. It's a difficult place to be. Uh, but that's what God is commanding here. Galatians chapter 6, verses, uh, we're at verse 1, guys. Um, so we saw that that is a command. And as you look at that, we chewed on that. We looked at a lot of the words. Uh, read that over and see exactly what it is that God would have you to do. Then the second uh, point that we made is we've got the command. Uh, what's the method? How do we do this thing? You know, because this is so far beyond us. You, you picture anybody that's got an addiction, anybody that's is controlled by uh, a nasty temper or controlled by anything sinful, how are you or how are me ever going to deal with something like that? I mean, we can't. We just can't. Uh, So God gives us what we need to do in verse 2. It says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, The law of Christ is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, And bearing one another's burdens. Uh, Too many times, I believe, uh, we move that into the realm of gossip. Uh, hey, did you, uh, Brother Chuck, did you hear what Matt, oh my, you know, we need to pray for him. Yeah. And, and, and on and on, you know, that's not a prayer request. That's gossip. That's what you're wanting to do is gossip, you know. No, bearing one another's burden. Uh, number one, you got to get involved in their lives. Uh, you've got to come alongside them. You got to, do probably 1% of talking and about 99% of listening is about 
what that's all about. Bear ye one another's burdens. That word bear, we talked about that. That means putting it in your hands, holding it, you know. Uh, that burden that they have, where do you take that burden? You take that burden to God. You don't take it to Brother Chuck. You don't take it to anybody else. You don't take it to David. Uh, you know, do you know why I'm always picking on those two guys? I don't know you guys' names. <laughs> I can say, hey, you. <laughs> so, you know, great theological stuff there, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So we need to be involved. That's what God is commanding. Be involved. Bury one another's burdens. Get involved with their lives. You say, Oh, I don't want to get involved with that. Uh, no, you don't have to get involved with their sin. For sure, don't get involved with that. But come alongside them. Let them talk. Listen. Let God work. Okay? So, now, we're going to move on. Uh, we saw the command. We saw the method. And you say, oh, yeah, wow, I, I, I want somebody. Give it, Lord, give me somebody. But where do you find somebody? Where is the source? Who, who's out there? You say, well, I see all kind of people that need help, but who is the one that you want me to work with? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Did you see that? All men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. As we have, therefore, opportunity. Hmm. That kind of sounds like a source. Opportunity. You know what we call those? You, you know, you all know what we call opportunities from God, don't you? We call them trouble. We call them problems. Oh, difficulties. Oh, you know. I, I've taught this several times in several different churches over the last few weeks, believe it or not. Uh, you guys were the catalyst, so I'm, you know, going on that. Had I told you about my adventure with a tow truck? Okay, all right. I, I know I did somewhere, and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, opportunities, all right. You all know I, I used to be a remodeling contractor, and if you didn't, now you know. <clears throat> and uh, I, my specialty was kitchens and bathrooms, but, I, you know, I do most anything. Uh, and I had a job up in Stowe, um, a ways away. And uh, I was up there for quite a few weeks working on a kitchen, and I finished up one night, and, you know, I'm old, I'm tired, oh. And even back then, I'd get really, really tired because I worked by myself. That's drywall, cabinetry, plumbing, electric, everything, and you do it all by yourself. So I get tired, you know. And it was a very, 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 very snowy night. And the vehicle that I had back then, it was an amb an ambulette, they call it. It's a wheelchair transport van. It's got the big knocked out ceiling in it. I could almost stand up in that thing. It was so tall, you know. And it was red and white. I got it off a Stark ambulance. And uh, they wouldn't let me run the lights. I don't know why. I'd, oh, I'd be so boss, you know. <laughs> When you sail through a red light, it's like, turn on the lights. They're not going to stop you. <laughs> but they wouldn't let me do that. I took, they took the controls for the lights. They took them out, you know. 
So anyhow, I'm up there, and the driveway of this place was fairly steep, uh, and I backed in, and through the day it snowed and snowed and snowed and snowed. And I'm like, okay, I just, I just want to go home. It, it was, with all the snow and everything, from there to my house out on the other side, it would be about an hour, and I just wanted to be home. So I got everything all packed up and everything and, and closed the house up and was, jumped in my truck and I put the key in, and that thing didn't even grunt. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay. Neutral safety switch. Jiggle it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I popped the hood. I went out, and I I did what I know to do to check the battery cables, check the cable going into the starter, make sure everything is good. Everything was good. That thing would not make a sound. Uh, this is why we pay for the auto club. <laughs> so about another hour sitting there, you know, waiting for the tow truck to come. And he finally he came and he had a flatbed, you know, one of those that they hook you up and they pull you up on there. And he said, well, just put it in neutral and sail on down out into the road. And then he'll hook me up from there, which I did. Uh, very slippery, very slippery. And he got that thing up on there. And we both stood there, and we both looked at that, and he remarked, he said, man, that's tall. He said, I hope we don't hit any traffic lights. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> that's my van. You don't want to hit traffic lights tonight. So he said, rather than going down 77, he was going to just go down what's well, Cleveland Avenue here. It's whatever they call it up there. Uh, and all the way down and then across to Maslin. And, I mean, it took forever. It just, I mean, it, it, we had to go slow, had to make sure on the first one that we cleared, and we did, so he didn't watch from that point on. But then, uh, you know, I don't like to talk. I just sit there bashfully, shy, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> we started talking. And the conversation got around to he has a 14-year-old daughter, and he really thinks that he would like to get her into church. I felt like saying, you're a little late, buddy. <laughs> you know, you're about 13 years too late on that one. But, yeah, that's what, you know, well, you know, do you have a church in mind? No, that's the problem. I don't know where to go. I don't want to go somewhere where we're going to get some bad stuff. I, 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 want, to, I want to get some good teaching. Well, where do you live? And he told me, and there was a church just, you know, that I could recommend in that area. And we talked, and we talked about what salvation was. And he had some questions. Questions and we drove and I mean that whole conversation it was just terrific, awesome. So we got to the mechanics who at that time was out on the other side of Maslin and and he dropped me and I called my son and he came over and got me and took me home. The next day I get a call from the mechanic and he says, "Well, what's wrong with your what's wrong with your van?" I said, "It won't start." He says, well, we didn't have any trouble. <laughs> he says, we checked everything, and we can't make it not start. There's nothing wrong with it. Come on out and get it. Oh, <laughs> do you see it? 
opportunity. And I'm sitting in the driver's seat waiting on the tow truck thinking, oh, I want to be home. My supper is there. My wife is there. My easy chair is there. I just want to go home, Lord. Okay. But in the meantime, I got a job for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Opportunities. We get so many opportunities and we call them trouble and we want to walk away from them. We just, oh, don't let me, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, there was a time when I was working, uh, I don't work now. Uh, when I was working contracting, uh, I was in a garage, and it was uh, new construction, and I had the job of painting this garage out. You could put motor homes in this thing. It was huge. Uh, and it was attached to a, a house. And to get up into the house, there were uh, two or three concrete steps, and then you go up that way, and you're into the mudroom going in the house. Well, I'm painting along, and I wanted to go up there and paint that door frame. I wanted to cut it in, and I got a paint bucket, and it's, you know, it's on there, and brand new concrete. Mm, don't even think about getting paint on that thing. And so I'm moving along, and I'm up those first three steps, and I missed one. And my objective was do not get paint on that thing. And I went down, and I took that edge of that concrete step right up under my kneecap. Ooh, it sounded like cellophane. And it hurt. <laughs> and a lot of pain, you know, and I walked it off, kept on going. Well, within, you know, I, I, my medical is from the VA, and I went over there, and they said, well, let's try this. Well, let's try that. How about this brace and that brace and this shot and that shot? And that took about five years uh, to go through all that, and it was finally to the point I couldn't work anymore. Uh, got a job as a salesperson at another company for a while. And then they finally, they said, okay, well, you're bone on bone. I could have told them that, you know. You're bone on bone. There isn't anything else we can do. We're just going to have to replace it. It's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I've never been in a hospital a day in my life to stay, except when I was born. And they just told me about that one. But I've never been there. I mean, I've been in and out. I've had little things where, you know, same day, go in, do it, and go home. But never anything like that. And I thought, well, it's going to be good not to have the pain, but I really don't want to do this, you know. Had to. Up to Cleveland. Was in there. I went in Friday morning. They operated Friday afternoon, and I was there Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And after the operation, after the surgery, uh, the doctor and the therapist came in, and they said, uh, okay, move move your leg, you know, bend your knee, bend it up. I couldn't do it. There was no way. It was stiff as could be. And just that little bit, oh, the pain was just unbelievable. And, I mean, I'm loaded up with drugs, and it's still painful. And they said, well, you're, the, you're a candidate for our in-house uh, therapy it was at Wade Park in Cleveland, right up there at Wade Park, and we it's about six weeks. Said, oh, no, no, no. I can't do that. I got a wife at home that's disabled, and I'm the caregiver. I can't, I can't do that. Well, we don't know anything else to tell you, you know. Okay, all right. So that night, 
I'm sleeping away, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and uh, just praying. God, you got a job for me to do. I got a whole jail full of people. I got prisoners everywhere. I'm preaching. I carry a preaching schedule back then, and I'm, I, I can't work like this. If you want me like this, I'll be like this. But if you want me to keep working, we got to do something about this thing, you know. And I mean to tell you, just as clear as can be, I heard, bend your knee. Okay. It don't work, God, but I'll do it, you know, one of them. And I did. I bent it. Didn't hurt a bit. And it bent. And I did it again. Bend it a little more. Crank that puppy way on up there. No problem. They had stitches on the kneecap, and I mean, they're pulling a little bit, but man, you can live with that one. Okay. Wow. That's cool. So a few more, you know, just for the fun of it. And I went back to sleep. Later that morning, the doctor and the therapist came in again. And the doctor had one of those kind of lemony personalities, you know, not much. And he came in and he says, well, Mr. Clink, what are you going to show me today that's going to impress me to allow you to go home on Monday? Boy, did he ask, you know. I whipped them covers off and I went. How's that? <laughs> he just looked. He said, I'm impressed. <laughs> and the therapist, he just stood there. I mean, he had his mouth open because the night before, I couldn't move it. And today, man, I got full range of motion in that thing. God don't do things halfway. you know. So the doctor left. He said, okay. He said, if you can do pass a couple more tests here, uh, you're good to go home on Monday. Uh, good. But the therapist stayed behind. He said, I got to know, how did you do that? I says, I'm connected. <laughs> yeah. And told him, I said, I, just, I, I prayed and God did it all. He said, huh. That's amazing. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, that was all. But there was seed planted. And that's the whole entire reason why I had to be at Wade Park and why my knee wouldn't move. You know, opportunities. And we call them trouble. We call them problems. Yeah. God's got a whole bunch of them that he can give us if we'll just listen. You know, we look back. Uh the life of Joseph. You look at Joseph. There was a man full of opportunities, wasn't it? I mean, as a young kid, they throw him in a pit. His own family, his own brothers wanted to kill him. They threw him in there. They sold him. They did all kind of stuff. Now, I don't think Joseph was just standing by saying, oh, wow, another opportunity. You know, no, I mean, he's screaming his head off. Get me out of here. You don't find that in, in our King James. It may be in some other one. I don't know, but we don't find that there. But he went through all this stuff. He was sold to Potiphar. Uh, and, and you all know God blessed him. And, and he was over Potiphar's household until Mrs. Potiphar uh, presented an opportunity, you know. And he he ran. He went. And, and she accused. And Potiphar put him in prison. Oh, man. Now what? I'm in prison. Now what? But God blessed. 
And he was in charge of everything that went on in the prison. And then the butler and the baker, and they had the dream. Why did they have those dreams, do you think? That was an opportunity for Joseph to be able to say, I can interpret dreams. Pharaoh had the dream of the the famine. Thank you. I'm old. Get over it. And and Joseph was the one to interpret it. And then, obviously, Joseph moves on up, and he's number two in, in command. We're at Galatians 6, by the way. We're back there again. Uh, and he he's, you know, he's number two in the country, and then here come the boys that wanted to kill him. Hmm, boy, what he could have done to them. He had all the power right there. He could have had them killed. He could have sent them away. He could have done anything. But there's an opportunity. And they got fearful because when the dad died, they're thinking, oh, my, now, oh, Joseph, he's going he's gonna to kill us. He just, this is, this is over, you know. And they went to him and everything. And in Genesis chapter 50, you don't need to turn there, but Genesis 50, 20, uh, very familiar. Joseph says, but as for you, you guys, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Look at what all he had to go through. How would you like to go through all that? What was in that stinking pit? Who knows? It says there was no water in there, which means there could have been bugs and snakes and spiders. and Who knows what's in these pits? Uh, Who knows who's going to buy him of the Ishmaelites? Uh, Who knows what Potiphar is going to do to him? He could have had him doing some really nasty stuff. Yeah, but, but God, but God, opportunities, opportunities. Oh, my, unbelievable. And they're everywhere in our lives if we'll just look, you know. If we just say, instead of saying, ah, we say, oh, what's this all about, God? What are you trying to show me here? Who are you leading me to here? Hmm. You know, it wasn't, let me back up here. Everything Joseph went through was blessed because God had a plan. He didn't bless him for his ability. He didn't bless him for his his happiness. I mean, Joseph certainly was not happy in that pit or in that prison or, you know, he wasn't happy. He didn't, God didn't bless him for that. God blessed him because God has got a plan. Why is God showing us those things that we call trouble? Because God has got a plan. There's a plan. I got a whole jail full of them out there. God's got a plan for every one of those guys. All I need to do is just present the word of God. Okay? Yeah. Wow. It wasn't until the end of the trouble that Joseph looked back and saw what it was all about. Okay? That night I went through that with the tow truck and all of that. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to do this. But now that I look back, I wonder whose church that guy ended up in. I wonder whose pastor's son that daughter married because she'd be old enough now. This has been a lot of years ago. You know, I don't know. I may have had him out at the jail. I don't know. I I wouldn't know the guy if I saw him. You know, but God had a plan. 
Wow. And what if he had quit? What if Joseph would have quit in the middle? The opportunity to fulfill God's purpose would have failed. Now, God's purpose wouldn't have failed. He would have just said, hey, Chuck, come on, man. You're number two. Come on in here. Number one failed on me, so now you're number two. You're backup. Okay? And God's plan will be done. It's just you're not going to have a part in it if you quit. They just keep on going. Just keep on going. Oh, some of this is tough stuff. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. I see what my wife's going through. Uh, she's got the flu now. <laughs> but God's got a plan. I don't know what that plan is. I got a pretty good idea. But that's between me and God, you know. But, wow, it's incredible. Don't quit. Just don't quit. And then I want to look at Moses. Think about Moses, you know. Um, Moses, what did he do when God started laying out the plan to him? What did he do? He argued. He argued. He argued. He came up with some pretty convincing arguments, didn't he? Kind of. He thought so, anyhow. Well, come on, God. The people, they're never going to listen to me. They won't listen to me. Why should I do all of this? Because when I go back there, they're just going to turn their backs on me again. They don't want to hear anything from me. God, why should I go over there to Calvary Church, go over to Calvary Bible Baptist Church this Sunday and stand up there in a pulpit and talk to them about the Word of God? They're not going to listen. Why should I even do it? I might as well just quit and go do something else. That's pretty much what Moses was saying. And then he came along with this thing that he wasn't eloquent in speaking. And I find that kind of kind of amazing because in, through all of that, God said, okay, well, here comes Aaron, and Aaron can be your mouth, and you'll be to him as your God. But I never find any place in that whole account where Aaron ever did any speaking for Moses. He didn't do it. Aaron got him in a world of trouble. He made a golden calf. Yeah, God said, Moses, you are going to do this. You will do that. I'm not going to equip Aaron to do this. I'm going to do that. But just to appease you, you know, here we go. Moses, he kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God kept saying, I know, I know, I know. Follow me. Just follow me. Wow. Mm Mm-mm. Moses kept refusing, and in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, we see, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Guys, I don't know. I don't think I want to be in that position. Uh, no, no. Not the anger of the Lord. I mean, he saved me, that's for sure, and he loves me, but he can get angry. I, I'm I'm the son of Harry and Norma Clink, and I always will be. Uh, they're in heaven now, and I'm anxious to see them again. Uh, and their love for me never quit, ever. I mean, it was just so apparent of their love for me. But every now and then, I would do something real stupid, and I would get the anger of my dad. Never a question of whether he loved me or not. But I don't want to go through that. Okay. So don't argue with God. It wasn't easy for Moses, but in the end, God's purpose was accomplished. It was accomplished. Hmm. Why? Why did the children of Israel have to be brought out of Egypt? 
Why was that important? Why did that have to happen? That's a picture of salvation. That's a picture of Jesus. That's a picture of us. If, if, if God would have left them in bondage, his own children left them in bondage, what hope would we have for salvation? How could we look back and say, well, look at what God did. That must be what Jesus is doing, you know? Yeah, opportunities, opportunities to present things, opportunities to show things. You say, well, you know, I do this and nobody makes decisions and nobody does anything. God never told you you got the whole plan. God will tell you you got this little piece like my tow truck driver. I got that one little piece. I got that one little hour into his life. All these guys out at the jail, all the people in the prisons, I've got them for a little brief period of time. And 99.9% of the people I work with, when they're out and they're released, they're gone. I don't have a clue where they go. They move. They're, they're, they're on the move. They're gone. And they don't stay in touch with me. But I had that little piece in their life to be able to say, hey, think about Jesus. Think about this. And God will bring that to their mind. He'll bring it back, and it'll happen. Now, there's some, yeah, they do make good decisions, and some will follow up on them. Uh, most of them won't until God's got to get their attention again. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm off the hook for taking advantage of the opportunity that he's given me to do my little part in his plan. Let me give you a... I'll show you something. I'm going to... I told Chuck this will get his attention. I'm, I'm, go, <laughs> I'm going to be God, okay? Now... <laughs> This is going out all over the place. That's an illustration. <laughs> okay. I can just see it now. Oh, my. All my supporting churches. Well, yeah. no. Okay. Okay. We got a mission. God has got a mission. You know what that mission is? That mission is to pound that nail into that pulpit right there. Why? I'm God. I said so. Hmm. It's not going in, is it? Hmm. Maybe I need an instrument. I got an instrument. I don't think it's big enough. You would not believe how heavy this thing is. That's solid brass. But look at it. It's crooked. How am I going to pound that in straight with something that don't have its act together? Its life is crooked. It's allowed something to come into its life to bend it away from straight. It's kind of small. It doesn't have the resources it needs to put that puppy in there. I can't use that. Hmm. Ever wonder why God don't use you? Maybe you don't have the resources. Maybe you're a little crooked. Maybe there's some things came into your life that isn't going to allow you to drive that thing straight like God wants it. Okay. Okay.
So God says, <laughs> I'm going to get the one that will do the job. That thing has got all the, all the potential to put that nail right there. It's not doing it. Why isn't it doing it? It don't have any power. It's an instrument. It can do the job. It don't have any power. It just sits there. It's amazing. Well, me being God, I'm going to take care of that. Everybody chucks over there saying, You wouldn't dare. (laughs) Do you get it? The instrument itself cannot do anything without the power. So, once that nail's set down in there really nice and good, who gets the glory? Do you come along and say, Oh man, what a hammer. Boy, that's a, that's a phenomenal hammer. No. You come along and you say, boy, you drove that thing straight, didn't you? Boy, you, you had the power to put that thing in there, didn't you? We're just the instruments, guys. That's it. God's got a mission. God's got a plan, whatever that might be. And he wants to use you because he's not going to use this wimpy little guy because this wimpy guy don't know what he's doing. He has not studied his Bible. He has not prayed. He's not open. He's not receptive to the word of God and the plan of God in his life. He isn't any of that stuff, but this guy is. This guy can get the job done. Why? Because he's read his Bible. He knows some scripture. He's open to being used by God. Not on his own. He's totally surrendered to God. Because on his own, he knows he can't do a thing. That's why he's going to work. And that's what it is with us. Are we totally surrendered to God? Well, I don't want to, I'll do anything, but I don't want to do this. I, I, I knew God was calling me. I, I was at a ministry in Florida, a boy's home, and it closed. And so there's got to be a decision made. I'm out of a job, you know. Uh, and I wanted to pastor a church. I really did. Uh, God was dealing with me on that for a long time. Here's my opportunity. I want to pastor a church. Okay, so I'm ready to go, and I've, I've graduated from Bible college. I know the Word of God some, you know, uh, and I feel like I could pastor a church if God just led me to the church. And I said, Lord, I want to pastor a church anywhere but Cleveland. Don't send me to Cleveland. And I serious, I was praying that. You know, God's got a really good sense of humor. He really does. He said, okay, I won't send you to Cleveland. Mm -mm. It's his church in Detroit. (laughs) That's where he sent me. (laughs) Gideon Baptist Church. Yes, indeed. Oh, my. It was in a suburb of Detroit. But it was close enough where we lived that at night you would hear the gunshots. And I'm not kidding you. It was nasty. They went too long. 
Hey, Lord, anything open in Cleveland? <laughs> you know? But God had a plan. He had a purpose. He could use me, but he couldn't use me in Cleveland because I wasn't willing. I would not have done anything in Cleveland. I better quit waving this. <laughs> do, do damage with that thing, and then i got to explain it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I couldn't do anything in Cleveland. Why? Even, I mean, there were churches that were looking for pastors, you know, but God never opened those doors. Why? Because I did not want to go. Now, you say, oh, you wanted to go to Detroit? No, I gave him the perimeter. I go anywhere but Cleveland, you know. So, and we did. We, we had a, we had about three years up there and it was a good work. The church was about 19 when we got there. And God blessed, and it was about 70 when we left, and it was growing, and it's still growing. Uh, the guy that was our associate pastor uh, had been there for quite a while, tremendous man. He took the church, and he's been the pastor ever since uh, 1992. We left up there, and he's still the pastor. Boy, is he old. <laughs> wow, but it's doing well, you know. So you gotta be surrendered. You gotta be open. You gotta be willing to be used wherever. What if that hammer would have said, oh, you ain't gonna get me to hit that nail, man. That hurts. Well, yeah, but it gets the job done, doesn't it? Yeah. So maybe it's gonna hurt. Maybe somebody's gonna make fun of you. Maybe somebody's gonna tear you to pieces. Maybe somebody isn't gonna to wanna to listen to what you're saying. Maybe, maybe they're gonna just mock you. But are you gonna be faithful to doing the opportunity that God has given you? God knows all about it. Do you, you think God didn't know what was gonna to happen to Joseph? Absolutely. What was gonna to happen to Moses? Absolutely. Even when Moses killed that Egyptian, why did he do that? He thought he could do the job on his own. Yeah, yeah. When he killed him and then had to run, was that still part of what God's plan was? Yeah, absolutely. He had to humble that guy. He's out on the desert herding sheep. Back in those days, you don't get much lower than that right there. But he learned humility. He learned humbleness. And God used him. And God will use you if you just let God work. Too many times something comes along and we say, mm -mm, nope, 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 and we walk away. In our minds, we put this block up, I can't, I can't, I can't. Can you imagine how tired God must get of that? I know you can't. I can. You know, I've told you that's how I got to be the chaplain at the jail, telling God I can't. He said, I know. I can. Follow me. I did. Wow. <laughs> it's my 10th year anniversary out there this year. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So who has God put on your heart? Well, nobody. Good. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. There's going to be an opportunity somewhere. It may come in the form of a sickness. It may come in the form of a, a neighbor moving out and a new neighbor moving in. It's just a uh, one of those guys, you know. You don't know. You never know. I don't want to start naming things because I don't want to limit it. God is unlimited. He'll give you opportunities like you would never believe.
I walk around through the housing areas at the jail, and I'm not kidding. There, there's two things that I'm always asked. There's 33 housing areas at the jail, okay, and they do not communicate with each other. They're, they're just separate. <clears throat> two things, and it just blows me away. Number one, how's Barb? We pray for her every night. These are the inmates at Stark County Jail. <laughs> wow. Every housing area I go into, there's somebody there. They've got a little Bible study. They've got a little time of prayer. And Barb, my wife, Barb, is on the top of that list. Wow. Wow. Opportunity. Why is she sick? Opportunity? Hmm? Could be. Could be they're seeing the power of God, you know, that God's the source. Yeah. And number two, the one thing that I'm always asked by somebody, hey, chap, you got a minute? Can you pray with me? Oh, yeah, I sure can. What does that tell me? They're thinking about God. God's doing something. You don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, will you pray with me? If nothing is happening in your life. God's doing something that I'm not seeing. I don't need to see it. I don't need to know what God's doing. But God's doing something. And he's got me right there to just kind of reinforce that little thing right there. Just for a moment. Two, three, four minutes. I'm gone. That's it. But that's the opportunity. Keep your eyes open. Keep your heart open. Keep your mind open because opportunities are everywhere, everywhere. Let's have a word of prayer.